The Provoke Podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers. Welcome to the Provoke Media Podcast. I am Diana Marzalek. I'm senior reporter with Provoke Media. We have today with us Megan Driscoll, who is CEO and founder of Evolve MKD, a firm here in New York. And welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Diana. My pleasure. I um, find this topic that we're going to discuss sort of media um, uh, perceptions, but perceptions of the audiences as well, particularly interesting. Yep. So I'm looking forward to this and there's a lot to unpack here in this in this research. Um, so sort of an overview, I'll take your title of the, the new survey that you did. It explores the disconnect between how media perceives itself versus the public perception. So could you just give us an overview a little bit of the, of the, um, of the study and then we'll go dig deeper into some of the findings. Yeah, sure. So this is our, um, at Evolve MKD, this is our second um, proprietary research report. We did one about 18 months ago, really kind of in the thick of COVID about mental health and how that impacted um, our communications, like during those kind of 18 months that COVID was really hot and heavy. Um, We got together to think about what we wanted to do for a second report. Um, I think the other interesting piece that kind of happened in the media landscape was, you know, and the political landscape too, on, on some way, um, is you know exploring the idea of how media view themselves versus how the people who consume media kind of view media and then kind of comparing those. So what we did um, was we surveyed a thousand American uh, media consumers and 500 American media professionals. So we defined media professionals as being journalists, editors, um, you know, behind the scenes professionals like producers, uh, even our content creator friends, so influencers. Um, and all those folks working across um, traditional media, so print, online, broadcast, as well as the social media platforms, and ask each of them kind of a series of the same questions and then compare and contrast the answers. Well, one question that I, I want to just clarify for myself as much as anyone, when we talk about media, you, you mentioned the um, the people that you pulled, mm. but are we talking about news outlets or not necessarily? Because that's kind of some of the meat of the of the study yeah so we are we are talking about news outlets so we're basically um we're not we're not talking about scripted programs we're not talking about um like books like authors but we are basically anything else you would kind of you know stereotypically think of as media so whether that's you know morning news programs um national news programs the morning shows um newspapers um and online outlets that would all be included so I'm going to go straight to what I find the most surprising finding. I You have it as the top finding as well, but that um, <laughs> the first part, not so much of a surprise that half the consumers believe that the media has an agenda and 41% believe that media is biased. So that's not. Yeah, that was, that was also not surprising to us either. <laughs> what is surprising is that the media doesn't realize their audiences don't trust them. And I don't understand if we're talking about news outlets and this is so much in the news and that the news is in the news, how could they not be aware? <laughs> I mean, like how could you know, they be missing the message here? Yeah. So, you know, this is, 
this is, I think, an interesting um, finding that we debated, and actually today, which I thought was very relevant, um, the publisher of the New York Times wrote an essay that was just published in the Columbia Journalism Review, and basically what he talked about is essentially like the definition of independence, right? So how different outlets really define what being truly independent means, mm -hmm. and I think there's, I actually think the finding of our survey and what uh, this gentleman wrote in his essay sort of line up because what he was talking about was, you know, are you, are you truly independent in the sense that you're going into a situation being curious, asking questions, not having your mind made up? Um, or are you going into <laughs> an interview with a narrative that you're really looking to promote, right? Essentially with the story. And I think that's, really at the heart of probably how reporters answer this question, because I think I think there's, depending on how you're approaching it, you could really think, if you think your narrative is, is true and your job as a journalist is simply to find the facts that support that, you could think that you're being very authentic and trustworthy. And you know, that may not be what we would define it as, um, as the consumers of media, which is why we wanted to do this. Um, but I think some of this goes back to like, what do reporters really think their job is? And I think that's um, that defers, I think, reporter to reporter. And that I think would have been something interesting if we do like a part two of this is really dig deeper into like, how do reporters define and TV producers define truly independent journalism? And is that really their job anymore, right? Because as we get like further into the survey, you see, um, you know, media rank, sometimes that their number one job is like entertainment more than education. Right. Uh, and that was like a really interesting finding to me because, you know, that might be true if I'm reading People Magazine, but it's like definitely not true if I'm watching 60 Minutes. So right. get like that the reporters think they're doing independent work and they, I mean, everything is a little bit biased just by the nature of what you're Yeah, talking. of course. Well, we're humans, right? right? So everyone goes into every conversation. So with, so with that out there, but like, you know, the way news has been forever, um, you know, real like top of the line, <laughs> earnest reporters yeah. are out there doing their job and and they think that they are doing it as, as fairly as they can and independently as they can. But yet, how do they still, my question is, how do they not realize, I understand that they think they're being not biased, but how do they not know that consumers think that they're biased when like, I mean, we've had entire elections based on CNN versus Fox News or the New York Times versus whomever. Like, how do they not know? Well, I think some of that is often this was not covered in our survey. This is like my hypothesis. Okay, um, But, you know, working with reporters regularly, you know, some of them are very transparent with us that, you know, they get more assigned more stories based on how many people click through, oh. right? How, so so they're incentivized, right? By you know how many people read their their articles, how clickbait their titles are. So that's um, you know, and I think as consumers, we're sort of we're, we are sending them signals by like engaging with that kind of content yep. <laughs> more than content that is like purely educational, right? So I, I think that's, you know, I, I think what was interesting too that we found is consumers, you know, say they want media to be trustworthy and they say these things, but then, you know, what are you actually consuming? 
So I, I think there's kind of a push pull there too, in terms of how we're signaling um, the media in terms of like what we're actually engaging with. Right. And so they're, they're consuming, when you talk about entertainment and considering we're doing news outlets here, you're talking about like the people magazines of the world, feature stories. Yeah. Or even like, you know, when we, um, there was a, a, we work on a lot of healthcare clients and there was a, um, you know, it was a, it was a journalist for a very, I will not say which outlet, but something, <laughs> on, something like, you know, equivalent to the economist. Basically, but not right? the economist. Okay. But not the economist. <laughs> um, but that like tier of like uh -huh. you know, intellectual, like academia, like sort of that that space. Um and you know, she was a you know, wrote, did all the interviews, did all the groundwork. And the title she put at the top of the piece had like nothing to do with actually really? the piece. But you know, I understood why she did it because it got more people. I got it picked up by Apple News. It got it ranked higher in search. So, and that's from, again, that's like not from a people. That's nope. from, a, so like, even when you're kind of looking at, I think, and, I, and that's the part where I don't know if that's like internally kind of pressure on, you know, the business models at some of these different outlets or what. Um, but there's, even for outlets that are more like, you know, high news, um, we're seeing the same sort of behavior happen more regularly. That's a shame. Um, you you talked, you mentioned entertainment and that um, we have some facts in here about entertainments, right? That, yep. that is it that people want, people don't want necessarily entertainment though, you said, right? That No, so actually what we found in our survey is that people really want like unbiased, like they, they want, you know, I think truly independent journalism, like education, the facts. Um, you know, I think one of the things that I thought was really interesting um, was, you know, people, that kind of was a big finding of what consumers were looking for, but then how it was presented was kind of where like the different age groups in our data set, like deferred. So there were, you know, as you get into like, I'm in my forties. So kind of the millennial, like, I think we're like geriatric millennials or something technically. Well, I'm more geriatric than you. Yeah. It's like terrible. <laughs> like, this is the worst term in the world, but, um, they, um, you know, in our survey, basically, like, it was all about like, who's presenting the information? Is it an expert? Do I trust that person? Um, versus when you get a little bit to a younger consumer, they were more interested in like, okay, what's the emotional tie to the story? Like, like different things spoke to like different groups of people um, to kind of make them engage or like believe the story more. And that that's what I found to be like, pretty interesting and, and pretty, um, you know, in terms of being relevant to like what we do. Because I think in the past, um, you know, I had always been taught kind of coming up like more traditional and comms, um, you know, that you kind of need maybe like a different angle or a different story mm -hmm. for, you know, different people. And actually what this showed is it can be the same story. It's just how you're telling it um, that needs to be like a little bit different depending on who you're talking to. So tell us about what your research shows about how these stories, the same story could be told um, best told to different age groups? Yeah, so I think that was one of the more interesting um, items that came out of our survey is just kind of how the different, the age groups really um, interact with information differently and what they need to be as kind of important parts of the story. But we defined ages just to kind of level set. We defined Gen Z as 18 to 24, a younger millennial, 25 to 34, the older millennial, 
35 to 44, Gen X, 45 to 54, and boomers, basically 55 and up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what we found is, um, you know, older millennials, Gen X and boomers definitely want kind of more hard facts than the younger counterparts, whereas like Gen Z and younger millennials um, are more inclined to actually want the opinion of the writer um, or content creator. Um, so in terms of kind of what the Gen X and the boomer um, really need in their pieces of news is they definitely want the data and the hard facts. Um, they want links to like other sources to kind of like kind of do their own research. Um, and then firsthand experiences were actually important to all of the audiences, which I thought was like pretty interesting. So people want to know, um, did someone try this? Did someone, what was someone else's journey like? Um, if it's kind of a health issue or something like that. Um, and then Gen Z and younger millennials um, really wanted that, like I mentioned, that personal perspective. That was actually the most important thing. They listed they wanted in their uh, media coverage. But the personal perspective is not necessarily an influencer, right? You said nope. that. Um, well, more... whoever's writing, so personal, the personal perspective of like the writer or the, whoever's creating the news okay. or the content that they're um, taking in. Okay. What does this sentence, maybe you can explain this to me. This was also yep. in your takeaway that for, cons- for comms people that you should have to tell stories based on how audiences will perceive them, putting perception over facts. So um, I don't know if it's necessarily perception over facts, but I think it's like to my point about um, kind of all the different consumers. The other the other thing we looked at besides age was kind of how the different groups um, that consume media and organizing them by skepticism and skepticism and bias. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's really where the perception versus the facts kind of come in. Mm-hmm. Um, so 62% of consumers, which we call the analyst group, um, they consume a ton of media. Um, media is important to them. Um, and they don't believe everything they read. So they read a lot. Um, so that's kind of where that, I think, perception piece of that comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have the loyalist, um, which is with 61% of the consumers we surveyed, they only trust their preferred media source okay. and they're highly skeptical of everything else. So this is probably like your Fox News people versus yeah. MSNBC. Um, and then the critic, which it was 43% of the consumers um, highlighted in our um, survey, they basically have a, an overall negative view of the entire media industry um, have a strong opinion that media is biased has an agenda and is also under the control of politicians okay um this was a positive one though the fact finder which is 88 percent of consumers um self-selected into um they want only the facts so this is what we were talking about earlier they prefer neutral news with no obvious bias and they do avoid entertainment stories um, and then the devotee, which is 40% of consumers, and this was the most positive group. Um, they know that there is a bias. They're aware of that, but that doesn't necessarily turn them away. Um, and they feel that media is still really important, if not more important like than ever before. And they strongly believe that media needs to have the freedom to create stories that, that, that they think are important and should be told. So overall, people are still supporting the news media. Still supporting the news media, just varying levels of skepticism and bias. Right. And you said that younger consumers 
are more engaged than older consumers with news media or am I making that up? Or they think the media is more important than older consumers. Uh, they think that the media is more important than older. They're, so yes, they think it's more important and they're actually two to three times more likely to buy products or um, you know try something after seeing or reading about it either via traditional media or from an influencer. Okay, so are we considering influencers the media here? So we we are. Um, we put them in kind of in that group because they they kind of are in a way. I mean, right. they're almost like their own little like news channels at this point. Right, right. So it's um, yeah. I mean, because uh, to some degree, an influencer is a totally different animal than, like you said, the Economist. So it is. It's, it's different, but there's still a place where people get information. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So this is a lot of information. What does this mean for, you know, our, our listeners are communicators. So what are the takeaways in this for our listeners? Yeah, I would say that the key takeaways um, are, you know, consider kind of who your partners are um, based on who you're trying to reach. So if you're, you know, looking at if you have KOLs um, versus celebrities, um, you know, seeing kind of who's the right asset to really be telling your story. Um, and it might be like different people for different groups of people. Um, also kind of where you're telling your story, depending on who you want to reach. Um, so, you know, when we talked about the analyst versus the loyalist versus the critic, um, you know, all those folks look at very different things. Um, you know, for instance, like the loyalist will basically be looking at only one or two things. So making sure you really understand where your consumers not only are in terms of like the usual stuff, like household income, um, you know, gender demographics, like all that, but like really understanding kind of what they're looking for out of their media. So when you're developing your public relations plans, you're actually like hitting them where they are. Um, and then, um, you know, just making sure that again, like if you're, if you're telling a story that you're hitting on those pieces that your audience might want to know. So knowing that older folks kind of really want that data um, versus like younger folks actually want like the opinion of the person who's writing it. Like for us, um, we keep that in mind when we're thinking about who to work with in the media, because there are just, just there are some reporters that just approach things in a different way. Um, mm -hmm. So making sure that you're not only thinking about the outlet, but also kind of who has the right, um, you know, tone approach um, mm -hmm. for who you're really looking to reach with your message. Excellent. Well, I appreciate your research and thank you for being with us. This was a fun conversation. Yeah, this was so fun. I thank you for making it easy for me. So I appreciate it. Okay, we'll talk soon. You've been listening to the Provoke podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers.